All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson. We're doing another edition of Punks and Pants. Producer Dave is on vacation, <laughs> pretty much. So I no, said, not, you know apparently. what? Huh? I said, no, I'm not, apparently. Uh, so I said, you know what? Let's put this man to work. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Um, look, also, too, I was going to talk to you guys about real quick is that um, a couple little uh, things that dropped today. Um you know some fight news we're going to talk over not a whole lot of not a whole lot going on we've been uh dropping something every day this week so not a whole lot going on that we didn't talk about already from yesterday but if you guys like our videos hit the like button uh, on the YouTube that'll help everyone else understand that like that likes these type of videos that, that somebody else has liked this video and that will help share our videos as well also hit the notification buttons uh get the bell and the notice uh when we drop new stuff new content that will come through on your phone and uh, obviously hit the subscribe button you have all these things uh we have itunes spotify google play soundcloud i mean youtube all these things so if you guys can please i'd really appreciate it and uh thanks for looking out man i truly appreciate it so let's talk real quick about uh some news that dropped just as recently and obviously it's Kind of hits home with me. Um, big fan and one of my closest friends just signed to fight again against uh, somebody that I've also have fought also against Clay Guida. BJ Penn and Clay Guida has been officially announced. That fight will be coming up. Um, I mean, it's... I mean, for me, honestly, it's just one of those things. I would like to see BJ retire. I And not to say that he can't win this fight. It's going to be a tough fight for him. Clay Guida, uh, him and I have fought from before as well. Um, pull, pull, can you scroll down on Clay's thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's got it. He, he obviously has a loss against Charles Oliveira. He beat Joe Lazon, beat uh, Eric Koch. He, he's beat some good guys, lost to, to Brian Ortega, but who hasn't lost to that guy except for Max? You know, uh, Tiago Tavares. I mean, Clay has lost to some guys that are at the top, you know, Dennis Bermudez, Chad Mendes. I mean, his losses are to the guys that are still kind of right there in that you know, in that title talk a little bit right now, still to this day. So all those things being said, um, BJ not having a win, I want to say in in probably the last five or six fights. Scroll down on BJ's. Yeah, so he's, you know, and look, BJ and I, and just full disclosure, one of my closest friends uh, in the sport, we trained together for years. Um, I've helped him train as well for a lot of his fights as well. Been out to Hawaii a bunch of times. Uh, look, we're just, we're really close. I just... He has nothing, and honestly, he has nothing left to prove. He's he did things before. People are doing things now, and they're con they're considering it like, like that they've already that they have done it. And he did it before then. Like he was fighting guys in the heavyweight division, guys at 185 pounds. He was fighting guys at 170. He was fighting guys at 155. Now he's fought at 145. He's fought at every weight class from 145 all the way up to heavyweight. So he did all that stuff. 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, he was doing that stuff. You know, um, two division champion long time ago you know so the fact that, that he's got nothing else to prove I, I my honest opinion is i have no idea why he's still fighting uh he doesn't need the money um you know he owns several ufc gyms in in hawaii uh one in y one in waikele one in um honolulu there's another one um that they put in and i think they're opening a fourth one i think i want to say there's one going into maui um but regardless he, he i know he owns three uh, that he's got his name stamped on, and I believe it's like 40 or it's, it's like I think he owns like either 40 or 60 percent of each gym that he has put the money out to make sure that those those gyms are, are going. Um, the, the money's not really an issue, and everyone knows this. I, I have no idea why he's still fighting. I know he's in a different place now, physically, and and uh, you know, with other 
home stuff and family stuff and things like that. He's in a very good place. I thought physically he looked the best I had ever seen him look for the Ryan Hall fight. But that being said, I think that, you know, he has people had feared his jujitsu for so long and just didn't really, you know, all they did was want to try to wrestle him and take him down and do those things. Ryan Hall was not that person. And I expected I expected BJ to, to come in a little bit more prepared for that fight and the in the in that type of stuff. I would imagine he trained for it, but I think when it when you get in there and something like that happens, it does change it does change things. Now, all of that being said, it's just a different uh you know, BJ fighting uh, fighting someone like Clay Guida. Clay's probably going to potentially take him down. The fight on the feet makes for an interesting fight. I think Clay's a little bit faster than BJ. I think BJ hits a little bit harder. Um, as far as, you know, I, BJ just got some miles on him. He's just fought so many guys. If you scroll down the list of the guys that he's fought, um, you know, from everyone from Matt Hughes, Frankie Edgar, John Fitch, Nick Diaz, Roy McDonald, uh, Yair Rodriguez, I mean, like Sean Shirk, Joe Stevenson, Jens Pulver, Matt Hughes, again, he fought Matt Hughes three times, GSP twice. I mean, like, Hanzo Gracie, Rodrigo, Leota Machida was at 220 pounds, he fought him. Dwayne Ludwig, Takanori Gomi, Carl Uno, Matt Sarek fought Uno twice, Jens Pulver twice, Din Thomas. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. He was fighting guys. They were always at the best. He never wanted to fight guys that weren't until as of recently. Like it's not that he didn't, not that he asked for. I think the easy fight, but he's just that guy, man. He never asked for an easy fight. Always wanted the toughest fight. When he left after beating Matt Hughes and fought Takanori Gomi, when he left after that fight, uh, sorry, before before then, when he left and fought Takanori Gomi, like that fight, um, it happened before the Matt Hughes fight. Sorry, my bad, um, but. When he had left for that fight, there was contract stuff going on, and he went off and did his own thing. He just paved his own way for Rumble on the Rock and did his own thing, you know, and reached out to Gomi and said, look, we want you to come over and fight us and have this fight happen. Your guy against my guy, I'll pay you this. And that was that was the first time a fighter had went off and done their own thing and started a promotion, and, and they had piggybacked something off of him and he had done something that was it was huge it was unprecedented like obviously in the sport it was a relatively young sport but he paved the way for other fighters to understand that like you're able to do those type of things and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for like those type of things that he had he's done because it opened my eyes I think that I feel I feel blind that some fighters feel blind that are blinded to and I'll give you an example give you a couple examples is that I would have been that guy that would have had BJ not done the certain things that he had done that believed that like, oh man, the UFC is the only place to be. The UFC is the only place to be like, you can't, I can't go anywhere else. And as of recently, I had a fighter reach out to me and was just, and not just one, I've had several, but I actually had a conversation and a talk with one of the fight with one of the fighters, uh, a girl fighter actually. And she was interested in coming over to Bellator, but she just like, she said what a lot of fighters um, think is I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't know, like, if I went somewhere else, how I would do and what would happen. You know, like, I wouldn't know where to go. I, I don't, they, like, if it doesn't work there, I can't come back. It's almost like you're shutting the door once you leave on a promotion. And I want people to understand that you're not shutting that door. If you win in another organization, you keep winning in that organization. And, and Anthony Johnson is proof of that, is that you can leave and go to another organization 
and be dominant there and then come back and they will always take you back. And if, if I honestly believe Anthony Johnson being Anthony Johnson, it was better for him to leave, figure his things out with his weights and all his other things, get big wins over there in the PFL or whatever it was called at the time. He got big wins over there in that organization and the UFC brought him back for way more money than they were paying him before he left. And that, that lets you know, like, they'll do what they... If you go to another organization, you can always come back as long as you're winning. But that goes for any organization. Like, one organization is not going to probably want you if you're losing all the time. You know? And so when you go to another organization and you win, UFC will always take you back. 1FC will always have an interest in you. Bellator, same thing. If you go to the UFC or you're from the UFC and you go to 1FC and you're winning over there, Bellator will almost always probably would like to sign you. And the same thing goes for the UFC. They would probably like to take you from them and and show that if you're having a dominant performance over there, that they would still probably would in, would enjoy signing you. Same thing for the PFL. You know, they, those athletes are not... They, it's not like that as if they can't get in. It's just a matter of... The organizations, as long as you're winning, they will want you, and you just gotta sh- keep showing that you're 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 winning your fights and and winning impressively and doing these things, um, to 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 build your brand. And those organizations will want to sign you. And I think BJ was one of the first guys that showed that his brand was could be could grow and could be big enough to piggyback a promotion. And he did it with Rumble on the Rock to the point where Elite XC bought him. You know, Elite XC joined with Rumble on the Rock and bought pretty much their fighters, not BJ, but bought the ones that they had on under contract with them. And then, no, 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 they sold to Elite XC. Elite XC got basically just folded, but then Strikeforce took over all a lot of their fighters. So that was back in the day. But that's, my point was, is that he did a lot of those things, and I have no idea why he's still fighting. I, this To me, I don't feel like this is a good fight for him. But I also did notice that he's, uh, I've through texts and conversation and and the fact that um, um, after seeing his last performance against Ryan Hall, as far as physically, he looked good. And after talking with him as of recently, he said he continues to train every day. He's been training every day. Whereas before, you could tell he wasn't training and talking in conversations with him was proof that he wasn't training. Um, you know, um, now he's just he's in a better place uh, mentally and and physically. So I think. This makes for an interesting fight. I hope we see the best BJ Penn we can see. Um, but when people look at him and people are saying that this is affecting his his legacy in the sport, I highly disagree. I mean, the reason why I highly disagree is because when you look back at guys like Muhammad Ali, he lost a lot of his last fights. And we don't talk about those fights. We talk about the Fraser fight, uh, the Fraser fights, and the. Um, and the uh, George Foreman fight and some of the other top fights that he had. Mike Tyson. We don't talk about all the losses he had at the end of his career. We talk about kind of how he lost a lot of money. We talk about that as well. But we also talk about the resurgence of him now. And as well as like, man, how feared he was back when he was younger, when he first broke into the scene. I mean, he was still feared even after he got out of jail and things like that. Those are the things that people remember and talk about. And, and man, what his career and legacy everything 
how much bigger it would have been had he not went to jail and came. And those are things that people talk about in conversation piece, but we never talk about like at the end of the career, Oh man, they shit the bed. They weren't doing well. We never talk about that. Those aren't things you talk about. Like you just simply remember all the great times and all the big wins that they had, you know, and the same thing to be said for like, say someone like Chuck Liddell or somebody like Frank, uh, Rich Franklin or somebody like Ray Gatour. They have a lot of losses, but don't ever hold that against them because if you want the bottom line is, is that BJ Penn never ducked anybody. He fought all the best guys. He fought for his for his right to get paid the most amount of money to, to represent his brand, which was himself. And he knew at the end of the day when the whole career, when his whole career was over, the promotion would still live on and live on without you and beyond. The sport still goes on without you. And he wanted to make sure he was taken care of. And I think he's he's just still doing it. I have no idea why he's still fighting. He obviously doesn't need the money, but I think he just loves fighting, and it still shows. I'm just glad he's in a better place right now. We're going to potentially see, hopefully, the best BJ Penn we have seen in the last you know five or six fights. So uh, that's my cap on that fight. Clay Guida, tough guy, very uh, very good conditioning, which has always been one of BJ's weaknesses, um, except for in some of his lightweight fights, and also when he was younger, and um. You know, he brings a lot of different uh, things to uh, to, uh, to go against BJ Penn. Now, BJ is obviously not the easiest guy to take down, so that makes for an interesting fight. But on the feet, I think B- Clay's probably a little bit faster, but I think BJ hits a little bit harder. So we'll see exactly what happens uh, in this fight. What's the date on this thing? May 10th? Yep. Yeah, May 10th is when that fight is scheduled for UFC 237. <coughs> You know, I wish um wish them both luck, and uh, I'll always root for BJ just because uh, BJ is my boy, Plus my Puna boy. Beat you. Huh? Plus Clay beat you. Yeah, Clay did beat me. By the way, he did. He did. <laughs> I always need my producer Dave to point out the obvious, uh, Mister Captain Fucking Obvious over here. Anyways, all right. So, and so I think I keep hitting my phone, and so then um yeah okay. So next one. Uh, does Tony Ferguson move to 170 after he dropped a hint on Twitter? You know, I don't think so. I don't think he does. Um, does I mean, the mess, the mess of the lightweight division as I, well. But why not go to 45 and fight Max? You think he can cut that? He says he can, and that's the thing is if if you can go to 45, I mean, he's a skinny guy. I don't know if he can make it. He says he does. He say, he always says I don't have a hard time making 55, which I find to be very strange because he's tall long lanky but he is pretty skinny um but what's wrong with him going to 70 then my thought process on 170 is that when i fought him and i'm only speaking from experience you guys so go ahead and try to crucify me for what i'm actually giving and dropping knowledge on is that my experience is is that physically he is not a strong person but i've said this a thousand times he's got really big hands so when he grabs your wrist, his fingers and hands wrap completely like around my wrist. I was I was having a hard time like getting my wrist back, my hands and my arms back from inside his grabs. So that I think his body can definitely do it. I just don't think it's something he should do. Like okay, like in three months I'm gonna fight at 170. I just don't think that that's a good idea. You know, especially for him, he's one fight away from a title shot. Why go up there, fight at one at 170? What are you going to do, go fight a chump? And what happens if you lose to, like, not a chump? What are you going to do, go up there, you're going to fight someone who's not in the really, maybe ranked in the top 10, but not really. And let's just be honest, 170's got, a, they're pretty stacked right now. They're pretty stacked. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't mind watching him fight 
Stephen Thompson. Because that would be an interesting fight. We would see, like, we would just see, like, Stephen Thompson is physically, I don't think, that strong. I mean, from what I understand, from what I see, from what people have told me, he's not physically strong. His technique and his style make for a, it make it, make, it makes it very difficult for people to get in on him. <clears throat> Tony is long and lanky as well. Has a great push kick. Um, does really weird stuff, will maybe throw Steven Thompson off. I think it makes for a very interesting fight. If he was to go to 170, I, I would like to see that fight happen. Now, I do understand that at March 23rd, uh, what's it called? Uh, Anthony Pettis is scheduled to fight Steven Thompson, but that's a fight I would like to see. And I, the fact is, we just saw a great fight between Anthony Pettis and Steven Thompson, but styles make matchups, and I think the fight with Tony Wait. Ferguson is a good fight he can win. You said we saw a great fight between Anthony Pettis and Steven Thompson? No, sorry, Anthony Pettis and uh, Tony Ferguson. Oh. That was a great fight. Great fight. This fight, Anthony Pettis and Steven Thompson is coming up on March 23rd. So that should be a great fight as well. I mean, we're going to see. We're going mean, to we're going to I I think I would have liked to have seen Steven Thompson fight someone like Tony Ferguson if he was to make the jump. But if you pull up the 170 pound division, everyone else, I probably would try to keep him away from. That would be it. I mean, you could maybe have him fight RDA because RDA used to be a 155 pounder and that fight could possibly have Ben Askren. I don't want to see already. I don't want to see him fight Ben Askren. Um I really don't care to see him fight Darren mm. Till. I, it does it, it would make it, it would be interesting if he fought Colby Covington. Um, Do you think he likes the idea though of somebody that like Usman who you know wrestle fucked Woodley, Askren who who wrestles because when he fought you, you you're you're mostly wrestling right and the kicks. Mm. No, I mean, like, it's more stand I do more stand-up, but, I mean, I can do I I consider myself to be pretty well-rounded. I, not that he's not. Um, I just, just I, I think, like, Darren Till is pretty much one. He's a lot more one-dimensional, not a lot of grappling. Colby Covington has some wrestling with some stand-up. You know, like, uh, Usman, I think, would is just physically sh- too strong for him after fighting Tony. He's not a strong guy, Okay. Super talented, does things that most people, you know, a lot of people don't do or won't expect him to do, but he does it. And the other thing as well is if he didn't take the fight at 155 for the interim title, why would you go up in weight and fight guys? Because the the speculation is that he's potentially like a little bit still hurt. Why would you go up and fight guys that could do more damage to you? Mm. I, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I think maybe he needs to work on his. Maybe he. Maybe what he's talking about is putting a little size on. Maybe to get a little bit stronger, getting ready for maybe a Khabib fight or you know the winner of the of the interim title fight between Dustin Poirier and uh, and uh, what's his name and Max Holloway. I mean maybe that's a, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Max Holloway and uh, Tony Ferguson fight either. Maybe at forty five or maybe even at fifty five. Who's to say that Khabib is going to be ready to fight? You know, Max, if Max wins, or Dustin right away. So, you never know. Maybe Tony will just step right into that 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 chance to fight for that interim title against the winner of those two guys. Maybe maybe by then he'll realize that, you know, maybe, hey, maybe I should take this fight, you know, if, if Khabib's not ready to fight by then. Or I believe he will be, but, you know. That about sums that up. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's going to go to 170. It just doesn't make sense. If you didn't take the interim title fight because there's speculation that maybe you're still trying to kind of heal up and get your body right, it doesn't make sense to go up to 70 and fight guys that are bigger and stronger. And If the word is it more that he's frustrated with the lightweight division? He, I would imagine he is. 
I would imagine. Oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's expressed that, right? He doesn't yeah, yeah. Part of why he doesn't want yeah. it is because he doesn't want to get a yeah. belt he already has. I think I, my honest thing is that, like I said, I've said this over and over again, it's his age. He should have mm. taken the interim title fight. Should have fought Dustin Poirier or, or, not, or Max. He should have fought Max. I think with a win over Max, there would be no... And look, and look, there's everyone was criticizing the fact that like, oh well, interim titles don't mean shit, dude. He got hurt. The UFC thought he was gonna be out for a year. He was the interim champion. He, all he had to do was get to the fight. It he got the automatic. He was the one fighting for the title. It wasn't like they said, ah, fuck you. We're gonna pull this away from you. Like they they had full intentions of giving him the. T they were the week of the fight. They were gonna. They were there the week of the fight for them to fight. He had. He was there, ready to fight. He got injured. It was unfortunate. But the UFC also thought he'd be out for a long time after talking with their doctors, after, after you know, the, hearing what the injury was. They thought he was going to be out for a long period of time. So they're like, look, Khabib's going to fight Ali Quinta for the title. They had the fight. Khabib won. Then Connor and Khabib fought. Now Tony's healthy, ready to fight. And... They offered him the, the shot at the interim title, and when Khabib comes back in whatever, October or whatever, November when he's ready to fight, they're going to have the winner of that's going to fight for the title. And he should have taken that fight because it, it they've shown that they're willing to have that interim guy go ahead and fight. As far as the Kobe Covington thing, I don't know if he did turn on the fight or if he didn't or if he just said, hey, can you push it a little bit later because I'm already doing something. That's from kind of what I heard. But whatever that that thing was, if you're the interim champion, you got to be ready to fight at all times. You're the champ. You're you're the interim champion, ready to fight for the real title. You got to be ready to fight at all times. And um, Colby apparently wasn't, and that's why they stripped him. I'm not a big fan of all this interim title bullshit. But the one thing, the one knock I will say is, like Tony should have taken the fight, unless he's comfortable with trying to heal his body or or having to heal his body, taking time to heal his body completely. And then potentially just waiting until the basically he's gonna have to wait until the beginning of next year for the winner of this fight, for the winner of Khabib and whoever wins the interim title, he's gonna have to wait until the beginning of next year. That's it. I would say like January, February, sometime around there. He's gonna have to wait till around that time. That's tough, man. That's a long time off. You know, he's already been off for what four months. Something like that when he fought uh, Pettis, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, fuck, man, that sucks. But you, you, you can't. He kind of did it to himself, you know. Um, who knows? I, I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited to see him fight. I cannot wait to watch him fight. I, I honestly believe he should be next in line for the title shot. But I don't understand why he didn't take the fight with Max Holloway. I don't get it. That's the one thing I don't understand. You know, unless he is still dealing with a little bit of injury and wanted to make sure he's 100% healthy. I get that. But those are things we don't know. We're just speculating. We're just, you know, uh, as Tony uh, commented on one of my one of my tweets, he's like, homie, you, you talk too much. Get back to training. So, <laughs> but it is what it is, man. I'm just, you know, we're, we're everyone speculating right now on whether he's injured and trying to heal up, which is why he turned down the fight. Or if he just didn't want to fight for interim title, which in his eyes didn't mean shit because he got injured and then wasn't able to defend it. So I understand that. Who knows? All right, what's next?
<clears throat> uh, I don't know if you care to touch on this VR Roy Jones thing. No, not really. There's a lot of talk that Roy Jones Jr. responded to Vitor Belford and called out for one one uh, for a, a one championship. I, no, I really don't really want to talk about it. Roy Jones fighting Vitor. Vitor, if ever gets in trouble during the fight, could just take him down or start kicking him. And if it was just a straight boxing match, like Roy's chin's gone. You're fighting a guy. How old is Roy? 52, 53? He's 50 years old. I have no, like, when we talk about fight, I have no interest in seeing 50, that fight. Yeah. And you're fighting a guy who, Vitor's what, 42? I have no interest in seeing that fight. None. None. Uh, 41. Yeah, 41. So, I like, before you guys crucify me, because, you know, I did I did talk about how I was interested in watching the Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie fight when it was in Bellator. The reason why I was interested, it was because it's Shamrock Gracie. It's like just the name itself. Had nothing to do with who they were. The other thing, too, is I wanted to see still if, like, Hoist being a lot smaller, physically into, like, great conditioning. Great, He's, he's in phys- physically in great shape with all of his uh, crazy fitness stuff he does, even at his age. And, and Ken not really taking care of his body and, and things like that. It, it made for interesting, like, the small guy, the big, the big guy, both older now. Kind of the original guys that helped the sport grow from the very beginning. I was interested in the the nostalgia of it all, I guess, for me is really what I was interested in. But as far as the fight, I, I knew it wasn't going to be a great fight, and it ended up not being a great fight at all, or a fight even at all. But it was one of those things that I was excited to kind of just because of the history of it all and the nostalgia of it all, and that's kind of why. But that was that would be it, man. That would be it. You know, um, I have no interest in the Roy Jones fight versus Vitor Belford. Like, not at all. Even if it was free, I wouldn't watch it. Just I had nothing there. <laughs> uh, well, this is interesting, though. Yep, there you go. I'll let you read off. This is very interesting. Anthony Johnson and and everyone, if you guys haven't heard our, our podcast, I did a podcast with him. Um, Sam and I did a podcast with him, with him and uh, Mike Goldberg. The two of them came on together. AJ and I have been friends for the longest time, and if you listen to our show, you'll get, the, you'll get the full understanding of how close we are. And actually, I think today is his birthday, to be honest. What is today? Yeah, I believe today is his birthday. Today or yesterday was. I think I think it's today. Anyways. Um, March 6th. Yeah, today. today. That's today. So, yeah, I believe today is his birthday. So, happy birthday, AJ. Happy birthday, my man. Wish you all the best. Uh, doing big things up in Canada as well as down here. And, uh, yeah. Look, he is... If he is to fight John Jones at heavyweight, I don't know. He's huge right now. He's a big boy. He was big before, but he's a big boy now. If they're to fight at heavyweight, I mean, the power, it it makes sense for him to want to come back and fight John Jones because John Jones is the one guy that he was supposed to fight that didn't fight. The fight didn't happen. And he poses a threat with the speed and the power. If he touches John Jones's chin, John Jones may never be the same fighter ever again, you know. And uh, I go back and I look. Gustafson was hasn't really been the same fighter since Anthony Johnson destroyed him, you know, in that fight. It was just na- he's just got big power, man, super fast, super explosive. Now you can see on his face he is not in shape right now. <laughs> so 
<clears throat> but I also do know him very well. I do understand what he's looking for. He's looking for an, a million dollar payday or higher to fight John Jones. I think it makes sense for them to fight. He also said that he would only fight John Jones at heavyweight. Makes sense. I mean, if you look at his pictures online right now, he's fucking enormous. Okay. He's a big, big guy right now. So I think it makes sense uh, for them to fight at heavyweight. And him to come off and say, like, hey, he's setting the standard. He's doing a little bit of what BJ Penn is did. You know, like, set a standard for yourself. Stick by that standard. If you want to pay me a million dollars, I'll come back and fight. Because if you look at the 205-pound division, outside of Santos, like, there's really no one else for John Jones to fight. And it makes sense. If you're gonna, if John Jones is going to go to heavyweight, fight Anthony Johnson. DC is going to fight Brock. DC is going to retire. I'm telling you guys right now, DC is going to retire after he fights Brock Lesnar. Okay, then you can have Anthony Johnson fight John Jones, have that fight happen. Then you can have Francis Ngannou fight John Jones, you know, and I don't know. Once the title has been relinquished by DC, you can have Anthony Johnson fight John Jones for the title. I, it's kind of unfair for him to come in and get an automatic title shot. But that's the fight that was supposed to happen at 205 that never happened now going up to, to, to heavyweight. And... It makes for a very interesting fight. It does make for... But then you turn around, you have Francis Ngannou fight him as well. Two big, big punchers. Because the question is, can he? Can people get to his chin? And the guys at 205 are just not that tall. As tall or as long, as lanky. But Santos is going to be that guy. These guys now that are coming up, they have huge power. John Jones is going to have to be able to find ways to keep his chin tucked. And as he gets older, he's going to start to slow down a little bit. I mean, he's still young, though. What is he, 30 years old? John? Yeah. Uh, he's 31, I want to say. 31? So, I mean, we're get, he's going to he's starting 31. to get into that age, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in there. He will start to slow down a little bit. And that reach, you know, these younger guys can be able to jump in and get in there and maybe potentially touch his chin a little bit. We're going to see. We haven't really seen him get – rocked or uh clipped clean by somebody with big power so i mean my honest opinion is i would love to see the john jones fight happen maybe john goes up and fights Ngannou first and then turns around turn, turns around and fights someone like anthony johnson for his second title defense or something along those lines when all that opportunity comes but i mean i understand john jones got some time uh he's got a couple guys to fight in the 205 pound division he's got santos and he's got uh, Blackowitz. Those are really the only two guys that I think would really stand a chance. I, I, what I mean by stand a chance is give him a good go. You know, give him do do. A, I think they. I think the two of them are going to do a little bit better than Anthony Smith. But it's going to make for an interesting fight. That makes for a very interesting fight. I want to see those fights. Uh, do you think Johnny fights. Walker with a couple more fights will be in there as so well? So that was already talked about earlier today that that John Jones's camp and people from John Jones, uh, people are surrounded around John Jones had talked about that Johnny Walker makes for an interesting fight because he's so tall and long. So 6'6", 205, you know, I mean, it does make for it does make for interesting, uh, an interesting fight. I am very interested in seeing that fight. But does he skip 13 other people? Or no, he... no. They're going to have him fight someone like Latifi first, maybe Manawa. We're gonna see, they're going to see if he can take a shot. Um, they're going to go Johnny Walker. I can see him go Johnny Walker, Teixeira, Johnny Walker, Latifi, Johnny Walker, uh, Ozdemir, somewhere in there. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to jump him a little bit faster because he is so marketable and go right to Ozdemir. 
or maybe right to Corey Anderson. Uh, I can see them maybe trying to do that, which puts him right up in that title contention if he has an impressive win. But from somebody like from from if I was in Johnny Walker's camp, I would probably try to get him, you know, um, maybe like Dominic Reyes or or may, maybe uh, I mean like somewhere I would probably I don't know I would try to maybe go somewhere in there something that's like halfway between someone who. Um, wouldn't be as much of a threat. I'm sorry, Dominic, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, in that mix of guys like Corey Anderson, the potential to take down and and wrestle fucking him to death, you know, could take away some of the steam of building him up, of building of a young, of building of a young new talent up like that. I'm not sure the UFC would be willing to take that chance, but you could put him right up into the mix against somebody like, you know, I could see him maybe fighting Anthony Smith. That would be interesting if he jumped all those guys and went right to Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith's confidence may not be the same now after coming off of a loss for the title. Uh, you never know what you're going to get, and I could see that happening, but I don't think that they would do that. I would, they're going to try to give him somewhere in that 9 to 10 range, nine, you know, 10, 9, 8 range. Dominic Reyes, Latifi, uh, or Jimmy Manuel. I could see him somewhere getting somewhere in there. He's got, I think, two more fights, two more solid wins before he gets before he he's even in the title contention talk. But that makes for an interesting fight with with uh, with uh, Anthony Johnson. And happy birthday, AJ. What else? We'll jump to questions. Oh, I'll see. What do you got? You got questions? Yeah, I like this question uh, from Ben. Since champ v champ fights have become a thing, what are the chances that Musashi moves up to two five and fights Bader? There's a good chance. Do you like that fight? There's a good chance. There's a very good chance because I don't know. I don't know if um, Brian Bader can beat Czech Congo. The size, the the power of Czech Congo, and I would I would have said the same thing against um, with uh, Minikoff. Minikoff, the wrestling, the size, the you know. I don't know if Bader can do that. I think Bader looks phenomenal at 205. I mean, not 205, but at heavyweight. He's found his rhythm in Bellator. He's, and people have to understand, a couple good wins get you believing in yourself again. And he's had, what, seven wins now? Seven? Yeah, seven wins. And at 205 and at heavyweight, and he's beaten Matt Mitchell, he's beaten Mohammed, uh, he's beaten King Mo, he's beaten Linton Vassell, he's beaten Phil Davis, he's beaten O'Gara, Fedor Milenko, he's beaten these guys, and he's looked he's looked really good doing it. His last loss was to Anthony Johnson, and you know, and AJ just had too much power, and that was the biggest thing. So him fighting guys like uh, Chet Congo, I, I want to see how it translates. To him fighting guys like that, that makes for a that makes for a fight that I think the fans uh, we're gonna see. And if he doesn't do well against Check or you know or he ends up with a loss, is he the same guy that was that's riding the win streak? Is his confidence still there? Is he a confident fighter moving into the going back having to go back down to two hundred five after you know if he if he was to lose at heavyweight? And I could see Gegard going up right then and challenging for his title. Then the other thing, though, too, is that I'm I'm con- I'm a little concerned with Gegard because he's not he's not fighting as often as I would like him to fight. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see him fight a little bit more. He's for me, I, I love watching him fight. He's a technician. He's uh, very 
just mild tempered and, and just he's fucking so good, man. So good. Just technically, he's probably one of the he's best. Pretty funny as well. He is funny. He's a super nice guy, man. He's a great guy. We fought on some shows in Pride together and uh, back in the day, and you know, we're, he's just an amazing guy. Really nice and. Yeah, I mean, and and I was listening to one of Rogan's podcasts a long, long time ago, and uh, with Brendan Schaub, and I think it was a fight campaign or something. They were talking about he has that he has that big dick confidence, and it's so funny because Rogan turns and goes, "Yeah, I've heard from guys in the UFC that when he goes in the sauna, he goes, you know, he's." goes free balls and everyone's like dude he's got a big dick <laughs> and so we all started laughing started cracking up and he's like and it's funny because shab just basically just straight up goes i could see that now it all makes sense dude he has that big dick confidence like when he walks around just like you know like, hey what's up da, 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 you know but it's just funny it's funny to it's funny to hear that type of shit it's funny anyways um you know <laughs> it's just, I'm laughing about it now But anyways The only thing The only knock on him Is I would like to see him fight more That's what sucks You know um, He always brings it He's a great fighter Very, He's a technician He's fought at heavyweight He's fought at 205 He's fought at 185 He's You know He's pretty much been the champion Wherever he's gone Except for the UFC Just never gave him a shot Didn't like him You know And when the UFC doesn't like you You're not getting that shot man You know And he's walking proof He's walking proof that you know, with all those wins, scroll down. Yeah, all those wins. I mean, his last loss was to Uriah Hall. Pretty much just flying knee and punches. But, I mean, like, it, the rest of the fight. Beat Latest, beat Santos. Oh, Tiago Santos. He beat Vitor Belfort. He beat Uriah After redeeming his loss to Uriah Hall, beat Uriah Hall in the first round. TKO punches. Beat Wyman, Shamanko, Carvalho. Um, Carvalho is the way he won. Roy McDonald. You know, um, he's, he's a great fighter, man. He's great. I would love. I want to see him. Fight. And we're gonna put. I think we're gonna see. I think what's next is Vitor, uh, not Vitor, but uh, Leoto Machida and him. Who he has lost to. If you scroll down, he lost to him. I can't remember when. Uh, Gegard. Pay attention, buddy. Try to keep up. Uh, yeah, he lost to uh, Leoto Machida down there. Yep. In a five-round fight main event. When was that? UFC Fight Night 36, Machida versus Musashi, February 15, 2014. Obviously, a lot of times passed since then, but I do I believe that's the, the next fight that they're trying to put together, I think, is the Machida and Gegard fight. So that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to see that happen. I thought they were going to have that... Um, Lovato? Yeah. But Lovato got injured, uh, and Machida's healthy, and I think they're pretty much... We're gonna bypass Lovato right to the Machida and Gegard fight because the history is there also. Oh, is that? Yeah, because he's lost yeah. to him. Oh, yeah. And your champion has lost to somebody like Machida. Time for you to have him fight him. You don't think they would they would try and get this fight over over that fight? What fight? This this fight we're talking about. Uh no, no, because Bader's gonna fight. He's gonna defend his title at uh, heavyweight, I believe, first. Jeez, you don't think he needs to do anything with two hundred five belt? Two hundred five is not. There's not. There's not a lot of. They don't have a lot of guys at 205 that are ready to challenge for the title. So um, that's why he was able to go up to the heavyweight division. Now you have Czech Congo ready to fight him. So let's get that fight happening. That's the fight they're going to I believe that's the fight they're going to make. And then that'll let you know whether Ryan Bader needs to stay at heavyweight or go to 205. He may just walk. If he, if he wins, if he beats Czech Congo, he may stay at heavyweight. 
you know, physically, if he feels a lot better there. He said he feels great. I talk to him all the time. He says he feels phenomenal at the weight. He's like, I don't have to worry about cutting weight. He's like, that's a big portion of trying to make the 205 weight class. He's like, I feel great my whole camp because I'm able to eat and do whatever I want, eat whatever I want. But he's all, I still eat, obviously, really clean and take care of myself. He's like, but I can eat five, six times a day if I want big portions and still have great performances in the gym, you know, where I don't feel loaded down versus when I feel pretty much kind of depleted when I'm trying to get my weight down, you know, four weeks out from the fight, the last four weeks, I feel a little bit slower, a little bit more depleted when I'm trying to cut weight to 205. It makes sense. I think you're going to see Machida versus Gegard um, for Bellator, and you're going to see Czech Congo versus Ryan Bader. I think that's the, those are the fights that you guys are going to see. Coming up. That insight. That insight. That, Bellator that insight. insight. Um, so this one's from the 368. Is there any, is there someone you trained with who you would, uh, who would get wrecked during practice, but when they step in the cage, they look like a world beater. I ask this because I have trained with Gastelum in Arizona in the past, and it amazes me how a guy can look so bad during sparring or grappling. However, come fight time, uh, read more. Come fight time, he looks amazing. Look, man, there's guys that when the lights turn on, they shut off. And there's guys that when the lights turn on, they don't look like the same person they look like in the gym. They just rise to the occasion. I mean, and... I don't want to like toot my own horn, but you know, I was I was the guy that always looked like shit or didn't look great in the gym when the lights came on and when the fight when it was fight time, I, I seemed like I performed pretty well. You know, um v, there was a lot of the stigma around Vitor Belford was that in the gym he was just a fucking world beater, like the most explosive, the best, and the most the guy was just submitting everybody off his back, submitting guys from the top, like taking guys down, taking, you know, all these things. But then when the lights turn on, when he was fighting, he just didn't show up. You know, that was always kind of the knock on him. You know, he just couldn't win the big fight. And it just, you know, he kind of just shut down when the lights turned on. And that's always been the knock on Vitor Belford. He just never lived up to the hype that he could have potentially have been. And all the talk and the, and, the, and the things that people have talked about of him in the gym just never came to fruition when, it, when the lights came on. Um, there's other guys. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. Um... You know, I can't name any off the top of my head, but I mean, like, there's, I mean, you put in the work. And the other thing, too, is that what you have to remember, when you're talking about somebody in the gym, okay, that person's in fight camp, and they're tired all the time, okay? So a guy who's training all the time, getting ready for fights all the time, he's training two or three times a day. You, I don't know who you are. Uh, what's his, who is this? The 368. Yeah, 368. You probably just trained. I'm not saying that you don't train all the time. What I'm saying, though, is that you probably are only doing one training session a day. And then you watch him from across the room train. Well, he probably already ran sprints at 6 a.m. in the morning at the track. Or he went and ran four or five miles in the morning. You know, and then he probably had a meal and then maybe did like a light workout or maybe he's at the fight gym doing his first fight or he's doing his, his training with the fighters, but he's already done sprints or he's already done a three or four or five mile run in the morning, you know, and it's probably, and then after that in the evening, he's going to probably hit mitts and maybe do like another, a swim or, or something else, or maybe do wrestling drills or wall drills or whatever it is. But these guys are training two, three times a day, you know, and they're not getting the adequate the adequate uh, rest in between each training session because sometimes the training sessions are you train like at AKA. I think it's the worst training session, the worst training schedule a fight gym could ever had. And I've I was been I've been the leading person to argue this with these guys, and they just don't want to fucking change it. And it drives me up the wall, dude. They train at noon. 
You train from noon to two. It's the middle of the damn day. Then you go home, you eat, shower, sleep. It's already like three o'clock by the time you get home and eat and then you shower. By the time you get a nap, it's like you get anything. You got to be back at the gym by 530 or 630 to fucking hit mitts and and do cardio or do the bike or or whatever it is you do at night. You got to be there by 530 or 6. Like you're up and you got to try to get a meal in again. That's only like four four hours of rest. That's not enough time if you're going to get you get the best optimal performance out of your body. I, I, I don't really like training at 9 a.m. either, but I think the 10 a.m. call is good. By noon, you're done. You're on a, a normal schedule of like, okay, look, I eat breakfast at, say, 8 o'clock. I train at 10. Okay, then I, I have lunch at noon, which is right after my training. And then I have enough time from, you know, noon when I'm done training until like 5 o'clock at night, 5, 6 hours. You don't go back to the gym at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. That's a good 6 hours rest. That's a lot better than 4 hours. You know, I mean, because you really like you really can't like your body doesn't even start to slow down and and relax and be ready to go to, to, to at least take a nap. And for like another hour and a half or two hours after you're done training, you know, and it just always driven me nuts that that, that whole ordeal has come about. So um, when you look at guys in the gym, just remember they're they're probably on their second training session by the time you've seen them. And if they're not. And let's just say it's Thursday or it's Wednesday or Thursday. They've already trained three times, six times, you know, in the last two days. And you've only trained twice. So your body's a little bit more fresh than theirs. And all the guys that they're training with, they're probably not in fight camp either. And if, you know, that's why you're training with those guys because you don't want to hurt them. They don't want to hurt you. You're training with the guys that that are more fresh and not going to try to do something to always win because they're not in fight camp. They're going to try to help you train and implement your game plan. That's why they're there. So my suggestion is, is that you, um, is like, you can't look at it in, in a, you can't look at it in a, what is it? Like in a box. You have to look at it as like, well, yeah, you can't look at, you can't be closed minded when you're looking at it. You have to look at it in the fact that they've, they've trained probably three or four, three times already or they already have a training session in early in the morning their, their body's probably tired they're probably already three or four weeks into their training camp they're training two or three times a day you know six days a week probably i mean like there's a lot of things that go into them looking like rock stars in the gym i bet gaslam looks like a rock star when he takes two weeks off and he comes in and he's just like okay man i'm jacked up i'm fully fueled and i'm ready to fucking go just smashing these dudes probably you know so I mean, he's a fucking gamer if I've ever seen one. So the fact that you have gas, I'm mean, like, you see him getting beat up in the gym, it means nothing. It means nothing. And all that matters, and this is a quote that I get from BJ Penn, is I don't have to be better than you every single day in the gym. I only need to be better than you one time at that night on that moment under those lights. And that's it. That's the only thing I need to be. I don't care how I look every single day in the gym. I only need to be better than you that night underneath those lights at that moment. That's it. That's perfect. That's all you got to do. That's all he needs to focus on. And then he does that. And that's why he's fighting for the title, the interim title, I believe. So what's the next one? Uh, this one's from Austin. And he asks, Stylebender versus John Jones at 205. Is it a competitive fight? I don't think so. I think John is too big. Um, Just like a next level up. With Stylebender... Still young, needs to do a little bit more improving. I think he's fucking phenomenal. Please don't misquote me on this, guys. He's phenomenal, okay? Definitely uh, stylistically 
is very much like an Anderson Silva, but a young version. Very much like a John Jones, but a young version. But he just needs a little bit more maturing. He's kind of where John Jones was when John Jones fought, like, I want to say Stefan Bonner and those guys. Like, he's he's there, but is he is he ready yet for the next level? Like, even though he's fighting for the, the, the interim title, right? Even though he's fighting for them, is he is he there though? It's like he's got a lot of wins. He's good. He's definitely fun as all hell to watch. But I guess until somebody takes, I think until somebody takes a loss, I want to see how they bounce back. I want to see them mature. Like they haven't had to really mature yet. And so I want to see. I'm not saying I want him to lose. I'm just simply saying that I I want to see him progressively get a little bit better. This is a big fight for him against Gaslam. I think he brings all the tools he needs. To beat Gaslam, but Gaslam is one of like I just said, he's one of those gritty ass fighters that you just you gotta always be ready for. You gotta be ready for just the push on the pace. You gotta be ready for the wrestling. And I don't know if he's I don't know if he's ready for that stylistically. He's got all the tools to do it. He reminds me a lot of the Anderson Silva and the John Jones guys, you know. Um, but can he do it? Can he do it? This is gonna be a big test. Beating guys like Anderson Silva, uh, to me, I, I don't think it means as much right now because Anderson Silva being as old as he is um, and, you know, the USADA testing and things like that, he's, he just hasn't looked the same. Um, scroll down a little bit. You know, just go uh, Derek Brunson, Brad Tavares. I mean, you know, like he's beaten good guys, but he he hasn't quite he hasn't quite beaten the Gaslam or the, the Whitaker or the... Um, Yoel Romero, even even like the Luke Rockhold, he hasn't beaten those guys yet, and so until I see something along those lines, I'm I'm, I'm a little I'm a little it's a little suspect right now. I, I'm not saying I'm not a fan. I'm not saying I don't think he's not talented. I'm saying that he's all those things. But if you want to say the best guy that he's beaten is Derek Brunson and Anderson Silva, those are the two best guys. He's making steps up, but we haven't seen that Yoel Romero and the. The Chris Weidman and the you know and, and the Whitaker we haven't seen that yet and I, I got to get to that level first okay and he's he's it's I think Gaslam's the next step up from Derek Brunson and from Anderson Silva next one last one last one yeah oh is that the last one or you have a next no. one uh, last one one more okay one more uh, Corey Welch asks hi Josh I wanted to know what coach had the biggest impact on your career oh Javier Mendez now it's different though. Coach and look, coach and my manager. My manager was somebody who is the reason why I got to where, like, the reason why I even came back into the sport or kind of put myself into the sport. It was my manager, was Bob Cook. The, um, the level in which I got there to, you know, being number one in the world the first time around when I was with the UFC, being ranked and getting winning a world title and with Strike Force, coming back and beating guys like Nate Diaz and having those though that's Javier Mendez. I spent a lot of time with him at the track. I spent a lot of time with him um, you know, on the mitts, the pads, the bag, I, I, all those things. I spent a lot of time. If you guys haven't heard our podcast with him, with Javier Mendez, go back and listen to it. He drops a lot of knowledge about Khabib, myself, Cain Velasquez. Like, he talks about the history of AKA. I mean, we break it down with him, and he, he does a great job of 
giving you guys a little bit more insight on on where like kind of what he's helped me come from and other fighters come from that have, have come up in from aka bob cook though is the silent guy from behind the scenes Bob and I, like when I didn't have really a pot to piss in and things like that, was helping me. Him and I rented houses together. We always, you know, we did business together on on different things. Um, you know, he's somebody that has helped kind of help me in different financial areas, not by just give, not, not by giving me money, but by like pointing me in the right direction. Like, hey, I'd recommend maybe buying this, you know, this apartment complex or buying this piece of property or this is a good deal. He's that guy. He's always looking for a good deal. And and trying to help you make good um, decisions with your money, and I gotta tell you, he's never he's never let me down, man. I mean, like, I ended up buying a couple apartment complexes and duplexes and things like that, and they've always led to me making a lot more money than than uh, than I would ever ever have thought on doing deals like that. And he's always given me good insight and always helped me. But he's the reason why I actually came to came down to AKA and started fighting and training. And, and training under Frank Shamrock and then training under later training under Javier Mendez. He's the reason why. So when it gets to there, he's the reason why I'm where I am, like where why I'm here. But Javier is the reason why I became successful. Those so the two of those are they go they go hand in hand. And I think a lot of the guys that out of AKA will tell you that from Josh Koscheck, John Fitch, you know, Mike Swick, these guys, I mean, there was a lot of, the, the two of them were a great tag team in the in the beginning when, when they first started this whole thing. Um, the sport has grown so much and, uh, you know, uh, they still have a great relationship, but it's it's not, it's, it's a little bit more different now. It's just different. The, the, the sport itself has changed, which has changed, you know, what goes on now over at AKA and uh, it's different, but. Uh, he's still there for his, all, Bob is still there for all of his fighters, all the guys that he manages and Javier is still there for, you know, all of the guys that are training at AK. So I think, uh, I can't say one without the other one got me into Javier's gym and working out and training. And then Javier picked me up and took me to the next level as far as, you know, training me, uh, as an athlete. So the two of them kind of, to me, go hand in hand. That's it. Okay. All right, guys, hit the notification bell. Get notifications for when we drop new releases like this one right here. Also, hit the subscribe button if you guys can. I know you guys probably tune out and listen, but please do me a favor. Hit the like button because that lets everybody else know that you liked it. If you have things in common with people on YouTube, things like that, they'll actually see that, hey, you, this my friend liked this, and then they'll check out the video as well. And uh, I would truly appreciate that, man. We're trying to grow this thing as much as we possibly can, and uh, that will help. Share the videos as well. Post them on your Twitter. Post them on your Facebook, you know, and tell your friends to share them and post them if you agree with me look i'm gonna say some very controversial shit all the time but i'm also gonna give it to you straight i have no reason to sugarcoat it i have no hidden agenda look right now we pretty much like we don't have sponsors so what i'm doing is i'm just giving it to you from my heart i have sponsors aren't telling me like hey i need to say this or i need to say that i'm simply just telling you guys exactly from my experiences from dealing with guys like bj penn from dealing with guys like kane velasquez dc john fitch john you know like all these guys you know that i've come up with khabib all these guys that i've come up with i'm sharing the inner the inner uh the inner scoops of what scope of what's going on either at AKA or just with the relationships that I have with them and experiences that I have with them. So if you guys like it, great, share it, let it all out. Also go back through our old podcast. Like just today, uh, we talked about Javier Mendez and that podcast. Um, we talked about what other podcasts do we have? Uh, oh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Schaub. Also we've had on, we've also had on, um, Anthony Johnson and, um, 
and Mike Goldberg. Goldberg. So you Goldie, you guys can check out that one. That one's a really good one as well. That will give you guys history and insight on all the people that I know and the people that we've had on as well as our relationships on how, and on how I know these people. Chuck Liddell as well has been on. Main you know, pump. Who? Main Pump and Shane Oh, Faison. Mind Pump. We did Shane Faison who also does Fight Tips. That guy's a huge YouTube star, 2 million subscribers on his on his platform. Dwayne. I mean, these are all people that we've had on. Uh, Dan Leith, you know, who does Lockhart and Leith, who does the nutrition stuff for DC, for Kane, for uh, Conor McGregor. They do all this stuff for all these athletes, so check out that podcast. Well, go back and take a listen and take a look at, at uh, some of the stuff we've done. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Check us out. Hit the notifications, hit the notification bell, and all those things. Hit the like button. We give a lot. We give a lot of uh, pr- good predictions that come out true. Right here, four months ago, Adam Pagalati said he wants Benson Henderson, and now he's got the fight. Yeah. So you get a lot of the early scoop. Yep, that's another one that's happening. Also, Adam Pagalati, and I just brought this up again recently. Adam Pagalati's been on twice, I believe. Yep. And he's also fighting now, Benson Henderson, which that fight, is, he wanted that fight. He got that fight. That fight is coming April 27th here in San Jose uh, in Bellator. And I believe that one is on Paramount Network and DAZN. Both. One of my favorite of all time, uh, the hip-hop star Buddy was on. <laughs> You're such an <laughs> asshole. Dude, that guy was so high that we couldn't even have a conversation with him. He was uh. so high. I was trying to talk to him about like what it was like to work with Snoop Dogg and and some other top artists that he that he'd been a fan of and, and he just was like had no idea what was going on. If you got ten minutes of your time, because that's all that's as long as the interview is, because we couldn't really get a whole lot out of him, <laughs> give it a quick listen. But it was definitely, I guess now that you guys know the backstory, you guys are gonna tune in and be like, God, man, what the fuck? You guys will understand. You know, we had country music star Jimmy Allen on, who's also got a number one uh, country music song, uh, Best Shot. Take a listen to that. Tyler Farr was on as well. Another country star who happens to be really good friends with Dan Henderson. We talk about that. Big Justin Willis. You know, Big Justin Willis. Big Pretty, baby. Big Pretty, he's on. He's got some big fights, big fight news coming up as well. Like, he's got, like, there's all these guys that we've had on. Khabib's been on twice. Frankie Edgar. Islam. Frankie Edgar's been on as well. So, you guys, go back through our old shows. Give it a quick listen. Remember what they said. Come back and we'll do maybe like do we'll do like a fighter response or a fan response and we'll give you guys Brent Primus has been on Aaron Pico's been on like we've had a lot of guys come on and uh, you know and give it a listen. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button. We thank you for everything. Share please and like our stuff. Bye.